0: Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Good morning. My name is Eric.
1: And I'm Amanda. We have both grown up at Trinity Baptist Church. We didn't grow up from actual children to adults, but from spiritual children to adults. And we did this, and we're largely doing this, through the help and support of the community God has provided us with here.
0: On June 18th, 2005, in this very sanctuary, Keith married us. We now have three children who are growing up here at Trinity, Eli, Ava, and Abigail.
1: But before we got married, I started regularly attending and teaching children's Sunday school at Trinity. I also started attending a Bible study group called Mothers and Others, at which time I was another. I was a young 20 something and in need of spiritual mentorship. God must have recognized that need because He provided me a whole group of amazing women of prayer warriors and mentors. For several months, they prayed for a strong Christian man for me to marry, and pretty soon, Eric showed up.
0: It's true. I found Trinity Baptist Church in 2003 when I started attending regularly because of the wonderful characteristics of the most beautiful woman I had ever met. Yes, I started coming to Trinity because of a girl who just so happens to be my wife for the past 11 years. Since we first met, God has seen fit to bless Amanda and I through the many ministries here at Trinity on more occasions than we can count, but we will quickly share a few.
1: Eric and I were privileged to serve on the first God Quest team of volunteers. At that time, Eric was known to the team as Eric, Amanda's boyfriend. But pretty soon, he became known as that guy full of energy who sings the fruit of the spirit song. The team of volunteers was the first time I had experienced collaborating to help raise up new believers.
0: For our seventh wedding anniversary, wonderful people within this community saw fit to completely make over our bedroom while we were gone on a weekend trip. We returned to a room worthy of extreme home makeover, new paint, new furniture, everything organized and beautiful. And since they made over that room, we've created two babies.
1: (laughs) That's not on the script.
0: It's not. This did, they did this without our knowledge and surprised us.
1: The thing that has been most impactful to me is the faithfulness of this community to put Christ's love into action. That has never been more evident to us than in the past few weeks.
0: Six weeks ago, I began a new job that has taken me out of the city for the next 10 months. A very hard decision for our family. I'm here just for a week before I have to go out of town again. Thankfully, we have the support and prayers of our small group who helped us make this decision. We continue to receive encouragement, generosity, and love from this community. Since I've had to leave for my job, so many people have come alongside Amanda, Eli, Ava, and Abigail to help.
1: Friends make sure we have groceries, they provide babysitting so I can go to work or have a break, help us put in our air conditioners this past week, all kinds of things that may seem small, but have made a huge difference to my heart.
0: I recently turned 40, <laughs> and since I was away from, for the big day, Amanda and our good friend Greg created a 10 minute birthday video for me. In that video, there were 50 or more people from this community, past, present, that decided to wish me a happy birthday. It may seem like a small gesture, but as I watched it, I laughed and I cried, and my heart was overflowing with joy. The next 10 months for us is going to be difficult as Amanda and the kids and I will be separated due to my employment but knowing this community of believers is here here, makes it so much easier because you're not just our community, you're our family. We thank you and we love you. High fives and hugs to everyone. We know how much God loves us because of you, and we pray you experience the same love because we are all loved by God and called to be a saint.
1: A reading. and each member belongs to all the others.
0: We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is to give, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. The word of the Lord.
2: Thank you grundys it's great to have you back, even for just a moment. A couple of centuries ago, there was an organist in Europe who was quite famous, and he was about to put on he was giving a concert on a particular evening and he went into the hall. The hall was packed to hear this um, this guy play. This instrument that he was so famous for, and at the time the way the organs were built there there were uh, there was a small compartment that someone had to fit into who would who would fill the organs with air they would keep pumping this lever so that the there would be enough compression so that sound would actually go through the pipes, so the organist comes out and he sits down and And he's about ready to begin this concert, and he hears this voice from this small compartment. There's a little boy in there, and the little boy says, are we ready? Well, the organist was kind of put off by that, and, and he said, we are not ready. I have spent my life mastering this instrument, and so I am about to give this concert I am ready, and so he comes down, and he begins to play, and he, he just fills the house, and, and everybody is just amazed at his, at his talent. Well, there's an intermission. Everybody goes out. They come back in. They're ready for the second half of this performance, and he sits down. And he brings his hands up, and he comes down on the organ, and there's no sound. And then he hears this little voice say, Are we ready? (laughs) Paul told the Ephesians, in chapter 4 he said, There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism... One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. In other words, we are all saved together. There is one sacrifice, Jesus Christ. And we are all sanctified together, loving each other and helping each other. We will all be in heaven together. Um, We are one body with one Lord, one Savior called to one purpose. But we all have different giftings. And all those giftings are to come together so that we love each other and serve each other well. That's what this text in Romans chapter 12 is all about. From chapters 1 through 11 we saw effectively no commands. It was just all doctrine of how a holy God can redeem and reconcile sinful beings to himself, sinful people to himself without compromising his holiness. In chapters 1 through 11 we saw the righteousness of God was that was it was provided for us through Jesus. And in chapter 12 as we saw last week, Paul turned a corner And he begins to talk about, from chapter 12 to the end of the book, what our response to God's mercy should be, how the righteousness that he has imparted to us should then be lived out. So in verses 1 and 2, as we saw last week, in light of what God has done for us, we should present ourselves totally to him. And allow him to transform us. But now in in verses 3 through 8, we're going to begin to see what that transformation should look like. With regard to how we view ourselves. How we are to view each other. And then what our responsibility is to each other. So Paul says in verse 3. He says, "For for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Notice what Paul didn't say. Paul didn't say, don't think of yourself. Right? He said, don't think more highly than you ought. How many of you... um, grew up in Sunday school singing that song, Jesus, then others, than you. Anybody? Am I the only one? Wow. Okay, I'm not going to sing it for you. But the point of the song was that we, Jesus should come first, and then we put others first, and or then we put others next, and then we bring up the rear. While I agree with the the idea behind the song, the principle of the song the it 's not exactly biblical because jesus said the the greatest commandments are "Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor how as yourself, as yourself. you see the rub there is is that we can't Really appropriately love others well, unless we have a healthy self love. We have to have a, a healthy self appreciation before we're able to love e- other people well at all. Um, what Paul is going to say as we go through this text is that we need each other, there are no prima donnas in the body of Christ. There are no lone rangers in the body of Christ. We need each other. And because I need you and you need me, that ought to give us all a pretty healthy self-esteem. If I know that I'm important to this body of Christ, I ought to feel pretty good about myself. You see, Paul's point is we should think of ourselves. In fact, we should think highly of ourselves. But we shouldn't think too highly he says don't think more highly than you ought um, uh, don't think that you're the only one out there that can do what you do you see my, my primary gifting is that of teaching but while I am important to this body There are a lot of people who can stand up here and do what I do. Um, James Leonard can stand up here. Tim Tien can stand up here. Ross uh, Queener and Fred Atkins and Dave Page can all stand up here. There are some gifted teachers in our congregation who can do what I do. Yes, I need to utilize my gift and and use my gift to to minister to, to God and to others. But at the end of the day, I'm not to see myself as indispensable. Am I important? Yeah. Am I indispensable? No. There are others who can step in if I don't. Paul says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. What's the opposite of sober? Drunk, right? (laughs) How many of us think drunkly about ourselves? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it depends on the day. Um, I, we are all kind of narcissist at heart. All of us at times think everything revolves around us. But that's thinking drunkly. That's not thinking soberly. Paul says that we aren't to think too high, but we're not to think too low either. We're to think in sober judgment. Um, We're to think of ourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. A measure is an, an apportionment. To each of us, God has given an apportion of faith. And what does that mean? Well, in context where Paul goes on to talk about spiritual gifts, I think what he's talking about here is the innate ability that God has given us to to serve the body of Christ, the, the gifting that we have to serve him and to serve the body. That is your measure of faith. It is the innate ability bestowed by God to you with which you can serve him and others. Let me say that again. Your spiritual gifting... Is the innate ability bestowed by God to you with which you can serve him and others. All right? So as I said a moment ago, my primary area is in the area of gifting, which means that the chief way that I serve God is by trying to to clarify biblical principles and then apply them to life. And if you've been around me for any length of time, you know that I have a hard time not teaching. That's just what I do. It's how I'm wired. Every chance I get, I'm going to try to teach something. Um, That's the way I show my love to God and hopefully to you. Um, There are some people who are, are gifted in mercy. And if you spend any time around them and you talk to them before long, they're going to start crying just because they are empathetic and their hearts go out and they just sympathize with you. Just FYI, that is not my gift. (laughs) Beth is laughing. (laughs) My wife is laughing. See, you can come to me and you can be hurting and crying and in need of a caring ear and I'm going to try to teach you something. I mean, that's just how I'm wired. Every one of us here has a spiritual gifting. And periodically, we offer a workshop on, on, how to, our, on discerning your spiritual gifts. In fact, we've got a team of people right now who are trying to put together a, a program or a process by which everybody in our church can identify their spiritual gifts and then find ways to utilize them within the, the body of Christ. Now, I think that's a great thing. I think it's really good for us to do that. But at the, at the risk of being overly simplistic, I don't think discerning your gift is, is what you need to necessarily be focused on what you need to be focused on is being in community and serving one another and investing in one another, because when you do that, your gift will naturally come out. You see, when you start giving of yourself, your gifting is going to come forward. And the, and one of the ways that we find out what our gifts are, are people come up to us and say, hey, you know what? You're, you're a gifted encourager. You're really good at that. Or you're... you're Gifted in leadership, you need, to, you need to lead more. You know, I mean, that's one of the ways that we, that probably the chief way that we learn our gifting is through other people identifying it in us. There are, there are two reasons why people don't learn their spiritual gifts. One, they're disobedient to God. Or two, they're not involved in community prima donnas, lone rangers, do not learn their spiritual gifts, and people who are disobedient to God do not learn their spiritual gifts. Obedient Christians who are interdependent in the body of Christ learn their gifts, and they use them. See, God has measured to every single Christian an innate ability to serve him and others in a particular way, and that is the measure of faith God has given you. Friends, we need to realize that we are all important to the body because God has given us gifts, but we also need to be humble toward the rest of the body because we we need each other. And that's what Paul illustrates in verses 4 and 5. He uses the human body as an analogy of interdependence. And, and the body is a great analogy because every part of our body is different, and yet they all work together in a way that, that help, helps the body to function well. And so the same thing is true in the body of Christ. We are interdependent. Paul says in verse 4, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So how are we to, to regard one another? We regard ourselves with, um, you know, we, we think of ourselves highly, but with humility But we're to regard each other with respect because we need each other. I wonder how many of us, when we get on an airplane, have the same amount of respect for the mechanic that we do the pilot. Have you thought about that? You should. Because if the mechanic does not do his or her job, I don't care how good the pilot is, that plane's going down right? If you've had surgery, do you have the same amount of respect for the technician who sterilizes the instruments as you do for the surgeon? You better because I don't care how good the surgeon is. If the technician does not sterilize that equipment well, they don't do their job, then you're going to (laughs) die due to infection. Friends, we all need to do the job that God has gifted us for and called us to, because if we don't, the plane goes down, the patient dies. What we do in here on Sunday morning is a great example of this. Um, I, I hope that when you come here on Sunday morning, you are blessed and that you are, uh, your hearts grow in worship, and you are inspired to, to deeper knowledge in God and commitment to Him. But what you need to know is that <coughs> what happens in this room doesn't just happen. There's a lot of stuff that goes into making it happen. I do my part in preparing during the week and getting up and talking for a few minutes. And you, some of you wish I would talk for fewer minutes um, Beth and the praise team and the musicians—they do their part. They come in here on Wednesdays and they pray and they look at the scriptures together and they work on the, the the song set so that they can come up and and lead you not just in 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 the songs but in the heart behind the songs. Um, those are the visible aspects. The, the Scripture readers prepare their testimony, and they, they think that through. And how do I share my, my, my testimony in, in, you know, a hundred words or less? And, and how do I do this well? Those are the visible aspects. But what about all the invisible components? we got Roy and James and Chris and Sheen up in the booth. You guys kind of wave. Those guys, they get here at 8 a.m. on Sunday to make sure the sound system's all set up and the visuals are all ready to go. And if they don't do their job, then you can't hear me, which might be okay for you, Um, or you can't hear the praise team. Uh, You won't have visuals. They got to do their job. And if you've got children, you... You are thrilled about the folks who are downstairs watching your kids and training your kids and caring for your kids so that you can be freed up up here to sit and listen and, and hear from the Lord. Um, we've got ushers and we've got greeters and we've got coffee cart people and we've got coffee hour people and we've got ministry heads and deacons and trustees and elders. and I mean, there's so much going on to make what happens here it's not just one person it's not just two people it's we are interdependent as we all come together to try to make this place work for the glory of god in this country interdependence is countercultural but in the body of christ there can be no prima donnas no lone rangers we must be interdependent if we're going to be what God has called us to be as a body. In fact, I will go so far as to say that you cannot grow in your faith outside of interdependence in the body of Christ. You can't do it. We need each other. We need to be in community. We need to be using our gifts, sharing our gifts with one another. Paul told the Ephesians, to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, um, as the, with the measure of faith that Christ gives us. He goes on. Christ himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. See, Christianity is a team sport. We are interdependent. We need each other so that we can grow as individuals and as a body into the fullness of Christ. So how do we regard ourselves? Highly, but with humility. How do we regard each other? With great respect, because we need each other. But now, what is our responsibility to each other? Paul tells us in verses 6 through 8. Verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Um, And just to reiterate, a spiritual gift is the ability that God has given us uh, with which or by which we serve others and we love others. Every Christian in this room has a spiritual gifting, and there are various opinions on how many spiritual gifts there are, okay? There are some, there are seven here, and we're gonna walk through these. There are some lists that, um, that have 19. There are some lists that have 25. Um, some people see, call different things, you know, spiritual gifts. I'm not gonna get into that this morning, What I want us to do is I want to look at these seven. And let me say these are, um, I'm not going to go into great detail. But the point I want us to realize is that everyone, every one of us has been apportioned a gift according to the grace given us. And what we're going to see Paul say is, whatever gift God has given you, use it. That's what he's going to say. Um, and as I go through these, these, these gifts, as I give these definitions, I want, you to, I want you to think of somebody and write that person's name down who you believe has the gift I'm talking about, including yourself. All right? As I'm talking these through, I want you to think, you know, so, I think so-and-so is probably gifted in that. And then this week, I want you to give them a call or shoot them an email just affirming them in that gift. All right? So here we go. Paul begins the list, verse 6. If your gift is prophesying, then what? Prophesy in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. He's given you this gift, so use it. Now, what is the gift of prophecy? Let me tell you what it's not. The gift of prophecy is not predicting the future. It is not determining when Jesus is going to come back or when the end of the world is going to happen or even what I'm going to have for lunch. All right? That is not the gift of prophecy. The Greek word used here for prophecy is the word uh, prophetia, which literally translated means speaking forth the mind or will of God. The person who is gifted in prophecy is someone who is especially sensitive to perceiving the will of God and then proclaiming it and praying for it to be accomplished. This person is one who readily perceives, proclaims, prays for, and promotes the will of God. A person with this gift calls attention to wrong attitudes. Uh, this person senses when compromises are being made. Uh, his or her nature demands that action be taken on a given, in a given situation. This person, the person with this gift, is usually outspoken, sometimes even a little brash. Because they tell it like it is. Who in your life do you think has the gift of prophecy? Just write that down. And just which one of the elders do you think has this gift? Tim TN. <laughs> yes, he does. Look at the next one. If it is serving, then do what? Serve! This is the Greek word diakonia, which conveys the idea of doing practical things in order to be of service to others. People with this gift are energized by tasks. They are the ones that are doing the dishes when everybody else is gone. This is the person who, the the place that they love most at the party is in the kitchen. This This is the person who is always offering to to carry something or help with something or deliver something. These people just love to serve. Anybody you know with that gift? Write their name down. Anybody want to guess which one of the elders has that gift? Dave Page. Next, if it is teaching, then what? Teach. Teach. If you've got the gift, use it. Teaching is the ability to clarify Scripture, to present truth in a logical, systematic way. Teachers love to study. They love to discover and validate truth. They want to keep others focused on the truth. And they instinctively question anything that seems inaccurate. Who do you know that has that gift? (laughs) Write that down. Write their name down. Ross Queener of our elders also has that gift. Next, if it is to encourage, then do what? Give encouragement. If you got that gift, use it. This is the word parakaleo, which means to come next to someone and press courage into them so that... Um, they can continue on. Where the teacher aims for your head, the encourager aims for your heart. The encourager sees sees trial as an opportunity to grow. And the encourager keeps pointing you back to biblical truth and back to the love of God and the grace of God and the power of God to move you from this place to this place. That's what an encourager does. Who in your life has that gift write their name down Fred Atkins has the gift of encouragement James Leonard has the gift of encouragement next if it is giving then what give give generously Givers are always looking for ways to give of their resources, their home, their belongings, their time. Givers take special delight in discovering the needs of others that are often overlooked and then meeting those needs. And givers, they want to stay behind the scenes. They don't want you to know that they're givers, probably because we'd be lomming on to them. And um, No, they, givers, they they just like to... Do it without recognition. Who do you know who has the gift of giving? Ross and Dave are also gifted givers. Next, if it is to lead, do it diligently. This is the Greek word proistami, which literally means to stand before. And if you... If you look at its various usages throughout the New Testament, you'll see that it uh, it ha- at times it has the connotation of governing, and at other times it has the the connotation of managing, and sometimes it has the connotation of administering, and so the 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 person with the gift of leadership is somebody who who you know moves things forward. And often this person is, is good at analyzing situations and seeing who the best players are to fit into certain roles that can move a task or a mission forward. Um, the, the person with this gift often is, is good at details because they can see situations and they can put things together. My wife is, has this gift, which is a good thing because I'm not really very good at this. Um, who in your life has this gift that you can encourage them in? Finally, if your gift is to show mercy, do it, and do it cheerfully. This is the word elieo. And in general, it means to feel sympathy for someone who is hurting and to empathize with them. Mercy givers are compassionate and have the ability to hurt where you hurt. Mercy givers and encouragers um, make a good team for counseling because the the mercy giver can, can feel where you are and and empathize with you. And the encourager can help you move from where you are to where you need to be going. And so Fred Atkins is a wonderful mix because Fred is both gifted in in encouragement and in mercy. And so if you got struggles or problems, go talk to Fred. Um, Don't talk to me because I'm going to try to teach you something but talk to Fred because he'll come alongside of you and he'll, he'll help move you forward. Um, who in your life do you know has the gift of mercy? Write them, call them, and just affirm them in that gift. So those are the Cliff's notes on these gifts. And I hope you have a list of people that that you can reach out to and affirm. But what I also want you to hear is that Paul, Paul is saying, whatever your gift is, don't bury it. Use it. Use it. In a nutshell, Paul is saying that I have a responsibility to this body. You have a responsibility to this body. And our job is to be the best that we can be with the gifts God has given us. See, I will never be the teacher that Tim Keller is. But God has not called me to be Tim Keller. He's called me to be Keith Boyd. And so I'm called to be the best Keith Boyd that I can be with whatever gift mix he's given me. And so don't worry if, oh, well, I can't do that because I'm not as good as so-and-so. No, you can and you should because God has gifted you, so use your gift and be as good at what you've been gifted in um, as you can be. Paul told Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. You have a gift of God in you, and you you need to fan it into flame so that the body can benefit. And you will be accountable for the gift that God has given you. Jesus tells a parable in Matthew 25, and we're not going to take the time to look at it. You can read it for yourself, but but the point of the parable is... um, don't take the talent, don't take the gift that God has given you and bury it in the ground. You use it to the best of your ability so that, so that God's kingdom can grow. That's the point. So here are the takeaways. Think highly of yourself, but with humility. Respect one another for the gifts that God has, has given them, given each of us and fan into flame the gift that God has given you and use it for his glory as you serve the body. Those are the takeaways. That's how the body works. We need people who can play the organ and we need people who can fill the pipes. So, are we ready? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the community of faith that you have assembled here. I thank you for, for Eric and Amanda's testimony just of how th- this community has, has loved them for so many years. I pray, Lord, that, that that would be an encouragement to each of us, that we need to be in community so that we can give of ourselves, we can invest in each other, and, and, and we can allow others to fill in the gaps where we're needed. Lord, I thank you that as we come to the table this morning, we do so in community. We do so to celebrate our common union in you. And so, Lord, I pray that that as we come today, we would recognize that that you, you died for us. And we need to consider how we can be a better us in light of what you did for us. In view of your mercies, we need to give of ourselves to each other. Amen.